hard rain and slow trains. Stick around for the next hour of Bob Dylan and his fellow travelers. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain. Broadcasting to you from KEPW 97.3 FM, PeaceWorks Community Radio in Eugene, Oregon, and streaming online at KEPW.org. a place where the willow don't bend there's not much more to be said it's the top of the end so I'm going I'm going I'm gone Closing the book On the pages and the text And I don't really care Ooh, what happens next I'm just going I'm going got to cut loose before it gets late so I'm going I'm going I'm gone Grandma said boy go and follow your heart And you'll be fine at the end of the line All that's gold doesn't shine Don't you and your one true love ever part I've been walking the road I've been living on the edge Now I just got to move, baby Before I get to the ledge So I'm going I'm going I'm gone Welcome back to Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and fellow travelers, and welcome to the 70s. Tonight's episode is 1973, a golden anniversary. We're just a little over halfway through the calendar year of 2023, so for the third consecutive year, Hard Rain and Slow Trains is taking you on a tour through Dylan's activities 50 years ago. The 50th anniversary is golden, and this year it is solid gold. Tonight's episode began with a rare alternate vocal for Going Going Gone, with only Dylan's guitar and vocal included, recorded but not used in November of 1973 for Planet Waves, the album he recorded with the band. You could hear some of the bleed of the band's tracks in Dylan's vocal and guitar track. 
Every so often, historical events can come not only to help define an era, but introduce a new one. And so, my fellow Americans... JFK's first inaugural address, delivered four days before Dylan arrived to New York City in January of 1961, helped usher in the 60s for Americans, just as Ronald Reagan's inauguration and the same-day release of the Iranian hostages marked a new cultural atmosphere in 1981. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem Government is the problem. The collapse of the Soviet Union on Christmas Day of 1991, when Boris Yeltsin spoke atop a tank, signaled a new geopolitical reality for the world, just as the September 11th attacks did in 2001. Something uh, believed to be a plane crashed into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. I just saw flames inside. You can the see the cultural smoke. markers for the beginning of the 70s occurred in what I call America's Big Week in January of 1973. On Monday, January 22nd, the Supreme Court decided, 7-2, to two, in favor of Roe in its Roe v. Wade case, decriminalizing abortion nationwide. A culture war ensued that continues to this day. On the same day, a little after 3.30 p.m. local time in Texas, Lyndon Johnson, who led the nation through the civil rights era and whose presidency was overwhelmed by Vietnam, died. The next evening, on Tuesday, January 23rd, Richard Nixon announced on national television the imminent peaceful withdrawal of American troops from Vietnam. An era had ended. The long national nightmare of Vietnam was drawing to a close. I have asked for this radio and television time tonight for the purpose of announcing that we today have concluded an agreement to end the war and bring peace with honor in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. The following statement is being issued at this moment in Washington and Hanoi. At 12.30 Paris time today, January 23, 1973, the agreement on ending the war and restoring peace in Vietnam was initialed by Dr. Henry Kissinger on behalf of the United States and Special Advisor Lee Duc Tho on behalf of the Democratic Republic of Vietnam. The agreement will be formally signed by the parties participating in the Paris Conference on Vietnam on January 27, 1973 at the International Conference Center in Paris. The ceasefire will take effect at 2400 Greenwich Mean Time, January 27, 1973. The United States and the Democratic Republic of Vietnam express the hope that this agreement will ensure stable peace in Vietnam and contribute to the preservation of lasting peace in Indochina and Southeast Asia. That concludes the formal statement. Just three months later, Tony Orlando and Dawn hit a nerve across the country and scored a number one hit with Irwin Levine and L. Russell Brown's Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree, a song from the perspective of a soldier who had done his time and is coming home. He asks that if his old love still wants him, for her to tie a yellow ribbon round the tree. If he saw it on the bus as it passed, he'd get off. If he didn't see a yellow ribbon there, he'd keep moving on. A lot of soldiers were coming home to uncertain futures. The song stayed at the top of the charts from April 21st through May 12th and would be the number one Billboard song at year's end. Here it is. He's coming home. Tie a ribbon round the old oak tree for him. I'm coming home. I've done my time. Now I've got to know what is and isn't mine. If you receive my letter telling you I'd soon be free, then you'll know just what to do.
the bus, forget about us, put the blame on me. Driver, please look for me Cause I couldn't bear to see what I might see I'm really still in prison in my love sheet Many soldiers didn't make it home. Neither did Billy the Kid, who Dylan sings is so far away from home, or figuring a way to get back home in his songs for the soundtrack to the film that Dylan had spent the latter part of 1972 shooting in Mexico with Sam Peckinpah, Pat Garrett, and Billy the Kid. Three days before Nixon's announcement of the cessation of hostilities in Vietnam, Dylan was in Mexico City recording the soundtrack. You can hear many of those cuts in Hard Rain and Slow Train's February 18th, 2021 episode, I've Had the Mexico City Blues, Cities Where Bob Dylan Recorded, Part 2, the second in a 12-part series in early 2021, exploring the cities where Bob Dylan recorded his albums. A few weeks after January 20th, Dylan was in a studio in Burbank, finishing the soundtrack to that film that, although set in the 1870s and 80s, helped signal the end of the 1960s by showing the freewheeling spirit of Pat Garrett caught in the cogs of the system, and Billy the Kid, not willing to concede his freedom, struck down by his old friend. How does it feel? It, uh, feels like times have changed times maybe not me 
An analogy can be made with corporations wising up and figuring out how to commercialize and tame all but the most uncompromising luminaries from the 60s. At least those who were not themselves struck down. JFK, Malcolm X, MLK, RFK, Fred Hampton, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and so on and so forth. The battle with the gods was magnificent. Your skill is extraordinary. And I was going to ask you to join us. In Burbank, Dylan recorded The Funereal Knockin' on Heaven's Door, which was released as a single on July 13, 1973, the same day as the soundtrack. The single would make it to number 12 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. Here is the first take of the song from Burbank, with Jim Keltner on drums and Roger McGuinn on guitar. Singing backup were Carol Hunter, Brenda Patterson, and Donna Weiss. We're on her and Dylan in a few minutes. I dedicate this to the memory of all the American and Vietnamese soldiers who never made it home to see a yellow ribbon tied round the tree for them. dark to see Feel I'm knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, 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 knock,
I can't shoot them anymore The long black train is coming around I'm knocking up on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking 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 on heaven's Bob Dylan with a couple unused takes for his soundtrack album to Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. The first take of Knockin' on Heaven's Door and the unfinished Sweet Amarillo. Sweet Amarillo You stole my pillow You stole my Donna Weiss, songwriter and future co-author of Betty Davis Eyes, who was singing backup for Dylan on Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, finished Sweet Amarillo and gave it to Brenda Patterson, with whom she was singing on Pat Garrett. You heard them both singing backup on Knockin' on Heaven's Door. Patterson recorded the Donna Weiss version of Sweet Amarillo in 1974 for her album, Like Good Wine. Weiss sang the song during the second Rolling Thunder Review tour two years later in 1976. In 2014, Old Crow Medicine Show went back to the drawing board and rewrote Dylan's unfinished version from 73. Old Crow Medicine Show had previously finished Dylan's wagon wheel, originally called Rock Me Mama, from the same Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid sessions and had a hit with it in 2004. Darius Rucker had an even bigger hit with it in 2013. 
Here's Catch Secor of Old Crow Medicine Show talking about how they got around to writing a new version of Sweet Amarillo. We got an email from Bob Dylan's manager saying congratulations, right around the time Darius Rucker had a number one single with Wagon Wheel. It's not every day that country music recognizes this great pioneer and huge influence, Bob Dylan. Bob doesn't have many number one songs in any genres, so it was a big deal to get one. Bob realized that and sent us a note, and a couple weeks later, he sent a demo and said, here's a song that I never really finished. It was recorded a few days after Rock Me Mama. Give it a try. We'd like the boys, the old crows, to give it a whirl. So I finished the song with Old Crow, and we sent it back to Bob, and he said, hey, that sounds great, but I think Catch should play the fiddle, not the harmonica, and I think the chorus needs to come in at the eighth bar, not the sixteenth. We did exactly what Bob said, and it's like the song sprouted wings and flew. Old Crow Medicine Show's Sweet Amarillo appeared on Old Crow Medicine Show's 2014 album, Remedy. I admire their musical talent, good taste, and chutzpah for working with Dylan Ruff's sketches, but in every instance, their new lyrics and changes take a step backward from what Dylan had left us in 1973. I mean, Catch Secor changes Dylan's fantastic Sweet Amarillo, You Stole My Pillow, which Donna Weiss kept in her version, to Sweet Amarillo, Tears on My Pillow. Donna Weiss also wrote The Crippled Crow, which Chris Christopherson and his Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid co-star, and then wife Rita Coolidge, recorded in 1974 for Breakaway. A year before that, right after the Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid sessions, Dylan went into the studio with Booker T and Priscilla Jones, the sister to Rita Coolidge, and laid down a harmonica track for them, giving voice to the song's Crippled Crow singing on the corner. Booker T and Priscilla Jones were husband and wife at the time. They divorced in 1979. Jones then married Ed Bradley, the 60 Minutes journalist who would interview Dylan in 2004, before his death two years later. Bradley and Jones divorced, and Jones married Michael Siebert, who tragically killed Jones in a murder-suicide in October of 2014. Recorded at Booker T's Ranch in Malibu in February of 1973, here's the Donna Weiss song, The Crippled Crow, with Booker T on keyboards and vocals, Priscilla Jones on vocals and background vocals, Brenda Patterson on background vocals, former Flying Burrito Brothers bassist Chris Etheridge on bass, Jim Keltner on drums, and Bob Dylan on some tentative harmonica that appears a couple minutes into the song.
salted times Your music's lasted through the years Glowing through your troubles for the hurt to follow T. Jones, Priscilla Jones, Jim Keltner, and mouth harpist Bob Dylan on The Crippled Crow, recorded in February of 1973. And we are focusing on the 50th anniversary of 1973 tonight in our 1973 A Golden Anniversary episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and Fellow Travelers. In 1973, it had been three years since the Beatles had broken up, but each head of the four-headed monster carried on putting out excellent albums on their own, sometimes with a little help from their friends. On March 13, 1973, for his third album, Ringo, Ringo Starr recorded a John Lennon song at Sunset Sound Recorders in Los Angeles, the same studio where Dylan would later record Down in the Groove and Rough and Rowdy Ways, with John Lennon playing piano and singing a guiding vocal that was left intact in places on the recording. George Harrison heard they were in town and went down and played some electric guitar on the track and later overdubbed more guitar. Klaus Vormann played bass, and former Beatles collaborator Billy Preston overdubbed some keyboards. It was the first time three Beatles had played together since their breakup. George Harrison also played on Starr's version of their co-authored song, Photograph, and Paul McCartney later flew over and played piano and helped arrange Starr's version of his and Linda McCartney's Six O'Clock, which appeared on side two of Ringo. Got something going. All 
George Harrison with his single off of Living in the Material World, released on May 30th, 1973. The light that has lighted the world. That recording featured Klaus Vormann on bass, who also played bass on I'm the Greatest. Playing drums on the light that has lighted the world, as well as this next track, was the drummer on Knockin' on Heaven's Door and the Crippled Crow, Jim Keltner. John Lennon with his 1973 hit, Mind Games.
We are going back 50 years to 1973, checking in on the Beatles, and you just heard two of the former Beatles' 1973 output. Paul McCartney and Wings with Picasso's Last Words, Drink to Me, from Band on the Run, recorded in September and October of 1973 and released in December, and John Lennon with Mind Games, recorded in July and August of 1973 and released in October. Pablo Picasso had just passed away on April 8th at the age of 91. If you want to hear a bit about comparisons between Bob Dylan and Pablo Picasso, look up the June 3rd, 2022 episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains called Picasso at the Louvre. The Bob Dylan Center opens. Steve McQueen, Dustin Hoffman, Papillon. Paul McCartney was having a dinner in Jamaica with Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen, who were filming Papillon, which would appear in theaters in mid-December of 1973. So uh, I met Dustin Hoffman. He was making a film in Jamaica, and I was on holiday. And uh, he invited us to dinner, so we went around to his house. And we were talking about songwriting, and he said, um, he said, can you just write them? Like that, you know, like Marvin Hamlish does. And I kind of said, well, not really, you know, don't do it like that. Uh, he said, I've got something here I'd like you to try it with. And he threw it uh, at me, a copy of Time magazine, which had a report about Picasso, who supposed to have said, just before he went to bed, then the night before he died, he had some dinner guests. Supposed to have turned to them and said, drink to me, drink to my health. You know I can't drink anymore. So Dustin said, that's great, you know, can you write a song with that? So I just started doing to me and, and wrote this song and he hit the ceiling. Oh, Addy, he's doing it! This is it! Look at this! <laughs> he was leaping around. And so I was just showing off, you know, so I wrote this song for him called Picasso's Last Words. I like the little insertion of the melody to Jet halfway through Picasso's Last Words. The ending of the song features Ginger Baker of Cream playing a tin can full of gravel and was recorded at Baker's studio in Nigeria. Welcome back to 20 Pounds of Headlines, your news from the 1973 world of Bob Dylan. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, featuring Dylan's Hollywood film debut, appeared in theaters the day before Dylan's 32nd birthday, May 23, 1973. MGM arrested control of the film from Sam Peckinpah before its release and re-edited it, creating confusion that lasts till today about what should be regarded as the definitive version of the film. Last year, director Alex Cox claimed that Criterion had prepared a 4K restoration of the film for commercial release. I assumed that it would be released this year for its 50th anniversary, but the 50th anniversary came and went, and there's been no word from Criterion. In July of 1973, Dylan's soundtrack for the film was released by Columbia, his final Columbia release for two years, and Alfred A. Knopp published Writings and Drawings, Dylan's first major collection of song lyrics and poetry, from songs included on his first album through the Songs of Greatest Hits Volume 2. The cover price was $6.95. The volume would be added to and revised over the years with the title changed to Lyrics, which retails for $48.49 today. 
In August, Knockin' on Heaven's Door, backed with Turkey Chase, is released as a single. The single would climb to number 12. Dylan would never again have a single so high on the Billboard Hot 100. In September, Dylan spurns Columbia by signing with David Geffen's Asylum Records, which was a huge coup for Geffen's new label. In November, Columbia responded by releasing Dylan, a collection of nine songs that Dylan recorded in Nashville and New York during both the Self-Portrait and New Morning Sessions. The decision to release these previous unreleased songs by Dylan, instead of the Royal Albert Hall concert from 1966, or the Carnegie Hall or Town Hall concerts from 1963, or a wholly different collection of outtakes from the early to mid-60s, is perplexing. At the same time that the Dylan album hit the shelves, Bob Dylan entered the Village Recorder studio in Santa Monica with the band to record their first and only true studio collaboration, Planet Waves, which would be released the following January. Dylan had begun rehearsing with the band in August to prepare for a possible tour after being off the road for seven years. In December, Columbia released a single from the Dylan compilation, A Fool Such As I, backed with Lily of the West. It would make it to 55 on Billboard's Hot 100. I learned a safety rope I don't know who to thank Don't stand between the reservation and the corporate February of 1973, 200 Oglala Lakota and members of the American Indian Movement, or AIM, began occupying Wounded Knee in South Dakota in the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation that had been the site of a massacre of 300 unarmed Sioux by the U.S. Cavalry in 1890. At the start of their occupation, AIM took 11 hostages and asked that the federal government investigate its broken treaties. The occupation lasted 71 days, during which they exchanged gunfire with federal agents and negotiated with U.S. Marshals, before surrendering after the government agreed to begin investigations. The United States government's treatment of American Indians throughout our entire history has been beyond deplorable, evidence of a Nimrod level of biblical hubris. People going down to the ground, buildings going up to the sky. On April 4, 1973, the World Trade Center had its ribbon-cutting opening. It was the tallest building in the world from 1972 to 1974. World Trade Center 1, the North Tower, the one with the tall antenna on it, had been completed in 1972. It would later be the first to be hit by a plane on September 11, 2001, and it would be the second tower to collapse, killing about 1,600 people in or around it. World Trade Center 2, the South Tower, was finished in 1973. It was to be the second of the Twin Towers hit by a plane on September 11th, and the first to collapse. 850 people either in it or near it were killed when it came down. In September of 1973, Chicago's Willis Tower, better known as the Sears Tower, opened. It would be the tallest building in the world from 1974 when it was officially pronounced such until 1998. Today, there are 15 freestanding structures that are taller than it. In 
1973, 689 American soldiers were killed in Vietnam, down from 759 in 1972. That same year, 27,901 South Vietnamese were killed. 39,000 North Vietnamese were killed. As I mentioned on the start of the show, Nixon had announced the Paris Peace Accords in January. On March 29th, the last of American combat troops left Vietnam. Fewer than 250 U.S. military personnel, along with some Marines, remained there. By the end of the year, the number of U.S. military personnel in Vietnam was down to 50. On January 30th, the five Watergate burglars were convicted and sentenced, but the Watergate scandal escalated. The U.S. Senate launched the Watergate hearings in May. People in Nixon's administration were asked to resign and were in turn prosecuted. October 20th was the Saturday Night Massacre when two successive attorney generals resigned before Nixon found one who would fire Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox. This obvious manipulation of the justice system turned the public against Nixon. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes, but in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Have you heard the news? He said with a grin, the vice president's gone mad. Also in October, Vice President Spiro Agnew resigned after his tax evasion and acceptance of bribes became public. Also in October, across the sea, the Yom Kippur War lasted two weeks, from October 5th to the 25th. The resulting Israeli victory resonates today as Israel responded by driving the invading forces back and occupying land that is still contested today. In 1973, unemployment in the United States was at 4.9%. A first-class stamp only cost 8 cents. It's 66 cents today. The 1973 winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature was Australian novelist and playwright Patrick White. In addition to Lyndon Johnson on January 22nd and Pablo Picasso on April 8th, we lost the following people in 1973. Mob boss Frank Costello died on February 18th. Nobel Prize winner Pearl S. Buck, one of 13 Americans to win the Literature Prize, died in March. Ron Pigpen McKernan, keyboardist for The Grateful Dead, died on March 8th at the age of 27. Director and playwright Noel Coward died March 26th. Betty Grable died July 2nd. Lon Chaney Jr. died on July 12th. Clarence White, guitarist who played with the birds, was hit by a drunk driver and died July 15th at the age of 29. Bruce Lee unexpectedly died on July 20th in Hong Kong. So styles tends to uh, 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 not only separate men, you know, because they have their own doctrines and then the doctrine became the gospel truth, you know, that you cannot change, you know. But if you do not have styles, if you just say, well, here, here I am, you know, as, uh, as a human being, how can I express myself? totally and completely. Now, that way, you won't create a style, because style is a crystallization, you know? I mean, that way, it's a process of continuing growth. Director John Ford died on the last day of August. J.R.R. Tolkien died September 2nd. 
Graham Parsons died of a drug overdose at the age of 26 in September. Chilean poet Pablo Neruda died September 23rd. Poet W.H. Auden died September 29th. Sister Rosetta Tharp died on October 9th. Leo Strauss died October 18th. Alan Watts died in November, and Bobby Darren died December 20th at the age of 37. In the sports world, Secretariat became the first horse to win the Triple Crown in 25 years. The horse would live to the relatively young age of 19, dying in 1989. It would be 37 years before another horse, this time the spectacular American Pharaoh, would win the Triple Crown. In Super Bowl VII, the Miami Dolphins beat the Washington Redskins in LA for their first Super Bowl championship. With the victory, the Dolphins capped their undefeated season with a Super Bowl championship, to date the only NFL team to do so. Andy Williams performed at halftime. In the World Series in the fall, the Oakland A's defeated the New York Mets to complete their second consecutive championship, winning four games to three. In boxing, Muhammad Ali, 31 years old, lost by decision to 29-year-old Ken Norton after 12 rounds in March. Ali came back and defeated Norton by decision six months later, regaining the heavyweight title. In September of 1973, Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes exhibition tennis match. Listen, when you play me, you'll see shots you've never seen before. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know that I right now. I believe that. <laughs> I do truly believe that. In 2017, Battle of the Sexes starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell depicted the media circus around the match. At the Academy Awards on March 27th, Godfather won Best Picture. In the theaters in 1973, at least by mid-December, you could see The Sting, which would go on to win Best Picture the next year, and The Exorcist. Debuting in August were the runaway hits Enter the Dragon and American Graffiti, which launched the career of George Lucas. In 1973, Kojak, starring Telly Savalas, debuted on CBS and would run for five seasons. But he wants the guarantee delivered personal by an assistant DA. You got the hooks for that, pussycat? Who loves you, baby? Okay. And The Six Million Dollar Man, starring Lee Majors, debuted on ABC. It would also run for five seasons. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. The Young and the Restless also debuted. Over 12,500 episodes later, it continues to air today. April 18th of this year, we lost playwright Evan Jones, author of many screenplays and plays, including Madhouse on Castle Street, in which Dylan performed for television in London on the BBC in January of 1963. Jones was the author of 10 books, including three books of poetry, the director of 15 films, and the author of 10 televised works. 
He died in England at the age of 95. On July 4th, a unique and valuable recording of Bob Dylan performing at Gertie's Folk City in September of 1961 was auctioned by Omega Auctions in England for £3,500, or about $4,600. The recording was made during the same Gertie's concert series where Dylan opened for the Greenbrier Boys, around the time that Robert Shelton reviewed him in the New York Times in a review that altered Dylan's life and career. The audio tape includes 15 minutes of Dylan being introduced by Brother John Sellers and then singing Tea for Texas, Handsome Molly, and Rising Sun Blues. It also includes some performances by the Greenbrier Boys. As far as I know, this recording has never circulated, and I'm surprised it only went for $4,600. And that's the news 50 years ago and today in the world of Bob Dylan.
It's Barry Goldberg from his self-titled 1973 album with Stormy Weather Cowboy. Dylan co-produced the album and helped sing backup vocals on that track along with Tom Bernfeld, who has sung backup for Eric Clapton. Goldberg recorded it at Muscle Shoals in Sheffield, Alabama at the original 3615 Jackson Highway location. With Barry Beckett on keyboards and Jerry Wexler co-producing, along with Dylan, it is a preview of things to come in 1979 and 1980, when Dylan would go down south to record Slow Train Coming and Saved. Although both of Dylan's albums were recorded at the new Muscle Shoals studio on Alabama Avenue in Sheffield. I've been enjoying Ray Paget's new book, Pledging My Time, Conversations with Bob Dylan Band Members. Among its 48 interviews is one with Barry Goldberg. Goldberg shares the following with Paget: We did the record and the rough mixes were really, really good. But the rough vocals, Jerry Wexler didn't understand that kind of style. I don't think he even understood how Bob did it on vocals. Bob said, when we leave here, don't let anyone touch it. Just go mix it. They mixed it in Muscle Shoals and it came out amazing. I really was happy with it. Jerry Wexler calls me up two weeks later. He said, you have to come and remix the records. Get rid of all that reverb, redo all the vocals. He made me articulate each syllable, each vowel. It ruined the record for me. I had to live with that for 25 years. Concerning the 2009 remix, Goldberg told Paget, Richard Foose, founder of Rhino Records, said, I want to put out the only record that Bob ever produced. I said, you gotta let me go in and find the original vocals and put some reverb and echo back on it. Just make it breathe and make it alive and make it rock and roll. So we restored the tape, found the missing vocals, and I got the tracks back to where I thought they should be. I was really happy to have that chance to do that. You can go home again, if you really try hard. Here's another song from the album that Dylan sings back up on, a subject that would stay on his mind, no doubt, through till the rolling thunder of you. From the 2009 remix of Barry Goldberg, here is Minstrel Show. back Sam and the boys are going on the set. I can still see that old blue light shining through the ones who go out tonight It's the same old menstrual show Nobody cares Nobody goes I'm locked inside and I don't even have the key
Dylan producing Barry Goldberg in August of 1973 with Minstrel Show. A couple months earlier in June, Dylan recorded three new demos in the New York office of Ramshorn, his song publishing company. Forever Young, Nobody Sept You, and Never Say Goodbye. Only one of these demos has been released. May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. And let others do for you May you build a ladder to the stars And climb on every rock And may you stay forever young May you stay forever young May you grow up to be righteous May you grow up to Stand upright and be strong And may you stay forever young May you stay forever young 
always be swift May you have a strong foundation when the winds of changes shift May your heart always be joyful, may your song always be sung early demo of Forever Young from June of 1973, Dylan would end up recording the song with the band during the Planet Wave sessions in November, with two different versions at the end of Side 1 and beginning of Side 2 of that album. The band had just recorded their fifth studio album, Moondog Matinee in the Spring. It would be released in October. It was an album of covers and included a song they used to perform before they met Dylan, Share Your Love With Me, with Richard Manuel singing the lead.
Village Recorder in Santa Monica on November 2nd, recording Planet Waves, Nobody Except You. Even though a solo version was one of three demos that Dylan recorded in New York in June, it was not included on the album and went unreleased until 1991's Bootleg Series, Volume 1-3. Before that, it was the band with Share Your Love With Me from their 1973 album, Moondog Matinee. Share Your Love With Me was originally recorded by Bobby Blue Bland in 1964. Aretha Franklin and Van Morrison also recorded it. Here's a Bob Dylan song recorded with the band that did make it onto Planet Waves. Something There Is About You. Something there is about you That strikes a match in me Is it the way your body moves? Something that used to be Something that's crossed over
Dylan in the band on Tuesday, November 6, 1973, with Something There Is About You, the fifth song on Planet Waves. The album, which would come out on January 17, 1974, included the following hand-penned liner notes from Dylan on the back of the album. Back to the starting point. The kickoff. Hebrew letters on the wall. Victor Hugo's house in Paris. New York City in early autumn. Leaves flying in the park. The clock strikes eight. Bong. I dropped a double brandy and tried to recall the events. Beer halls and pinholes, polka bands, barbed wire and thrashing clowns, objects, headwinds and snowstorms, family outings with strangers, furious gals with garters and smeared lips on bar stools that stank from sweating pussy, doing the hula, perfect priests in overhauls, glassy-eyed, insomnia. Space guys off-duty with big dicks and ducktails, all wired up and voting for Eisenhower, waving flags and jumping off of fire engines, getting killed on motorcycles. Whatever. We sensed each other beneath the mask, pitched a tent in the street and joined the traveling circus. Love at first sight. History became a lie. The sideshow took over. What a sight. 
the threshold of the modern bomb, temples of the Pawkey, the cowboy saint, the Arapaho snapshots of Apache poets searching through the ruins for a glimpse of Buddha. I lit out for parts unknown, found Jacob's ladder up against an adobe wall, and bought a serpent from a passing angel. Yeah, the old days are gone forever, and the new ones ain't far behind. The laughter is fading away, echoes of a star, of energy vampires in the gone world going wild. Drinking the blood of innocent people, innocent lambs, the wretched of the earth, my brothers of the flood, cities of the flesh, Milwaukee, Ann Arbor, Chicago, Bismarck, South Dakota, Duluth, Duluth, where Baudelaire lived, and Goya cashed in his chips, where Joshua brought the house down. From there, it was straight up. A little jolt of Mexico and some good luck. A little power over the grave. Some more brandy and the teeth of a lion. And a compass. Bob Dylan's liner notes to Planet Waves, the counterculture figured as a traveling circus taking over history. I noted in last year's episode, 1972, a golden anniversary, that part of the cultural shift that included the transition from the 60s to the 70s was the shift in the music business that author Michael Walker also identifies as irrevocably changing in 1973, as witnessed by the megatours of Led Zeppelin, Alice Cooper, and The Who. This change marked a transformation in the rock landscape that started as a genuine counterculture experience like that Dylan wrote about in his liner notes. We sensed each other beneath the mask, pitched a tent in the street, and joined the traveling circus. Love at first sight. History became a lie. The sideshow took over. What a sight. This sideshow then took over Main Street. Its dominance marks the beginning of the cultural 70s in 1973. Big business enterprises oriented around selling out arenas to which bands would travel in private jets replaced rock festivals and be-ins. Peace, love, and understanding gave way to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. By 1973, teenagers had become a major economic force to which businesses were catering, and the emerging Watergate scandal exacerbated a cynicism that was already taking root in America. The private jet-hopping tours of Led Zeppelin, Alice Cooper, and The Who were examples of this. The performers became more remote from the audience, more insulated. The Dylan and the Band tour in 1974 was like this, and Dylan's reaction to it led to the Rolling Thunder Review in 1975. To Robert Plant, looking out at the remote audience, the audience looked like the ocean.
Led Zeppelin with The Ocean off the album they supported in their landmark 1973 tour, Houses of the Holy. Meanwhile, the Who were on the road, or perhaps more accurately, on the airport tarmac, supporting Quadrophenia. Recorded June 27, 1973, and released as a single on October 5th, Back With Water, three weeks before Quadrophenia, here is 515. The 515 is a train, and Roger Daltrey is asking, why should I care? He's out of his brain on a train.
indelibly The Grateful Dead with Stella Blue, recorded in August of 1973 and released October 15th on The Dead's Wake of the Flood, The Dead's first studio album in three years. Dylan just covered this for the first time on June 23rd in Barcelona. Thank you. 
Thanks to everyone who supports Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and fellow travelers, either by writing a review on Apple Podcasts, supporting the show through Patreon.com, or letting others know about the show. If you support the show at Patreon.com at the $10 a month level, you get access to playlists for each of the episodes, 195 and counting. Thanks also to those who turned out to the Bob Dylan Podcast Roundtable at the World of Bob Dylan Symposium in Tulsa this past June. I had a blast talking to many of you. Special hello to Matt and his daughter Julia, who learned to drive listening to Hard Rain and Slow Trains. It's time once again for Who Did It Better? This is your chance to vote for whose version of the song of the week you think is better. Go to our Twitter page at Rain Trains and vote for Who Did It Better. O'Reilly stole a stallion. Last week on Who Did It Better, we asked you to tell us who did Seven Curses Better. 21-year-old Bob Dylan in 1963 on the town hall stage. Or 82-year-old Joan Baez with Bob Weir in tow in April of 2023. O'Reilly's daughter got a message That her father was to hang And with an overwhelming 93% of the vote, you told us that Bob Dylan did it better. No surprise there, but Joan Baez did provide a moving, melodic version. Her decision to repeat the concluding line of each verse contributes a dread inevitability to the transpiring events, and also lends even more moral gravity to each spoken word and each action. Her finger-picking is beautiful. Her son Gabriel Harris's drumming is serviceable but unnecessary, and Bob Ware's guitar is inexplicable. This week in Who Did It Better, we are going to ask you to choose between two versions of Tough Mama, Dylan's third track on Planet Waves, recorded November 6th, 1973, the same date as Something There Is About You. We're going to compare it to a live version from the Jerry Garcia Band recorded in the spring of 1990 at the Warfield in San Francisco. As I've said in the past, I don't generally prefer to contest studio versions against live versions, but Garcia's guitar is terrific in this, and it's an interesting contrast to set it against Robertson's buoyant guitar, Dylan's harmonica, and Garth Hudson's swirling organ. 
The song, by the way, has been extensively rewritten in the lyrics that are available on BobDylan.com. Only the first verse is unchanged. One verse has been removed, and the other three have been so extensively rewritten that they are at times unrecognizable. Most of the changes don't improve the song. The song as sung is a pian to a woman. She's a tough mama, a dark beauty, a sweet goddess, and a silver angel. Ramblin' Jack Elliott and Lone Wolf Jesse Fuller seemingly make appearances in the third verse when the singer contemplates where the sweet goddess has been. Jack the cowboy went up north, now he's buried in the past. Lone Wolf went out drinking. That was over pretty fast. The singer positions himself as the perfect stranger who is next in line to replace Jack and Lone Wolf. The more one listens to the song, the more it seems like the feminine is abstract, like an animating spirit in this song. She has the long night's journey in your eyes and the badge of the lonesome road written on your sleeve. The singer speaks of having gained recognition but lost the appetite to continue to strive. He's crestfallen and either determined or resigned not to haul his lambs to the marketplace anymore. It is not hard to imagine how this is the song of a man about to go back on the road, driven there not by the desire to return to the road, but because a vision of idyllic retreat has failed to soothe the restlessness of his soul. All right. Enough speculation. I'd like to dedicate these two versions of Tough Mama to anyone celebrating a 50th wedding anniversary this year, especially to David and Betty, who were married 50 years ago, as of June 9th. A golden anniversary indeed. And especially to Maria on our anniversary Saturday. I'd be grateful if this golden ring you'd receive, forever grateful. Listen to these two versions of Tough Mama and then go to our Twitter page at Rain Trains and tell us who did it better.
Go to our Twitter page to vote and tell us who did Tough Mama better, Bob Dylan and the band in 1973 or the Jerry Garcia band in 1990. Stay tuned to KEPW for Deadish, where Jeff will be playing Zero in concert in Portland from July 21st, 1994 in the first hour, and then The Grateful Dead live at the Hollywood Bowl on July 21st, 1974. Did you think I'd forget about John Prine? His 1973 album was Sweet Revenge, released in October of 1973. Here's the title track to Sweet Revenge. I got kicked off of Noah's Ark. I turned my cheek to one kind remark. There was two of everything but one of me. And when the rains came tumbling down, I held my breath and I stood my ground. And I watched that ship go sailing out to sea. Take it back, take it back Oh no, you can't say that All of my friends are not dead O-N-G, yeah, yeah You'll do rock and stone The black wind still moans Sweet revenge, sweet revenge Without fail I caught an see on a plane Drawing English teacher half insane Making up jokes about bicycles, folks, and red balloons So I called up my local DJ And he didn't have a lot to say But the radio has learned all of my favorite tunes Take it back, take it back Oh no, you can't say that All of my friends are not dead or in Black wind still moans Sweet revenge, sweet revenge Without fear The white meter's on the run And the dark meter's far too done And the milkman left me a note yesterday Get out of this town by noon You're coming on way too soon And besides that, we never liked you anyway Take it back, take it back Oh no, you can't say that All of my friends are not dead O-N-G, yeah, yeah You rock out the stone The black wind still moans Sweet revenge, sweet revenge Without fail Sweet revenge, sweet revenge Will prevail without fail
Thank you for listening to Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and fellow travelers, 1973, a golden anniversary. Come on back next week when we will return to A Highway of Diamonds to visit Bob Dylan's May of 1963. Now we're back here at Times Square at Dick Clark live with a situation that will ring in the new year in a moment. Got to remind you that tomorrow here on NBC at halftime, the Rose Bowl, Tower of Power will be there. Performing, I hope, in a lot warmer climb than we have here. It's approximately 36 degrees as hundreds of thousands of people here in Times Square and millions of people the world over watch that descending ball atop the old Allied Chemical Building. In a moment, it'll be 1974, and we wish you Happy New Year! from Times Square, New York City, and from Long Beach, California, at the Queen Mary. Hello to Ari Sussman in Michigan of Ann Arbor Distilling Company. Spend the night with some sweet senorita Into her dark hallway she will Some lonesome shadow she might greet ya Billy is so doggone far away from home They say that Pat Garrett's got your number Sleep with one eye open when you slumber Every little sound just might be thunder Thunder from the barrel of his gun Maybe you will find yourself tomorrow Drinking in some bar to hide your sorrow And in the time that you borrow Figuring a way to get back Keep that take. Okay. Like right after that take, put down this wild track, would you? Okay. Okay, it's, uh, it just consists of uh, corn, beans, peas, uh, succotash, guacamole, second coming coffee, and climax tobacco. End of take.